and welcome to The Truth About Fiction. I'm Lynn Michelle. And I'm Derek Thompson. And we're going to talk about the whole hard grinding business of being a writer, of writing and being published. We're going to shatter some myths, break some hearts and hopefully bring you something inspiring. But most of all, we will tell it how it is. So this episode, um, as planned, we said uh, we'd have a look at uh, fiction and personal experience. I think that the challenge is in not so much drawing on our own experience, but in writing, writing in such a way that it isn't always influenced by our own experience. I think the way I'm viewing it now is that even if we have characters who draw on our own experiences or who are like us, we then drop them and bury them in a plot that is strong enough to hold them intact without us. And we can then sever the cord and let them go and, and let them just take their wings and let, let the plot develop around them. I think that's how I think that's how I experience it, is that even if a character starts off as a bit like me or somebody I know, the plot is so strong and the characters then become so involved in that plot that they take on a life of their own. And at that point, they're not me and they're nothing to do with anything I've experienced. So maybe it's about... So you provide the nature and your plot provides the nurture. Yes, that's a nice way of putting it. I think I drop them in, I drop them in up to their necks and then trust them to run with it. Uh, that's, and the more I write, I think the more confidence I have uh, to do that, to let go, let them go, give them a start, put them on the starting blocks and then fire the gun and off they go. So probably the first novel I wrote, I stuck more to things I knew and as I've gone on through the three, well, now on a fourth, I've gone further and further away. And, and I think it's about confidence, partly. Okay, it's about two things. It's about confidence and it's about running out of your own, your own experience and ideas. Wow. I mean, you can't keep on. You can't keep on sucking that straw into the glass that, that contains what you know. That's a, that's a really interesting thought actually it's a good quote I suppose the other thing is that sometimes when you're writing fiction you you explore a theme and that theme might recur I mean I've, I've only recently noticed that se several of my books if not all of them seem to have a funeral in them um, that's partly because that's what happens when people die and you know I write uh, thrillers and crime mysteries and other stuff where people die so it's a um, consequence and partly because I think also as writers you want to write scenes and situations that grip people and the thing that grips people the most in my opinion a bit like a sitcom is when people are trapped in other words even if it's a social situation they have to be in and funerals are one of those where you can't really not turn up yes how how do you I mean we, we've sort of in in our preamble before we started recording and generally in thinking about this we've said when we're talking about personal experience, but how do you approach drawing on other people who have been in your experience or even other people's experience in your fiction? It depends. When I wrote the first, the first novel, White Lies, it began with my father 
aged about 98, telling me his stories of active service in World War II and then in Kenya fighting the guerrilla warfare of the Mau Mau uprising. And I think I've said this in previous, have I said it in previous podcasts where he used to tell these stories to the point where I was at screaming. I just wanted to scream because I knew them all off my heart because he told me them a hundred times before. But the older he got, the more the present faded and the more the past became vivid. And for him, the vividness was his active service. He was, he was a soldier. I'm a soldier's child. I'm an army brat. So I began with my father. And in the end, I said, look, Dad, why don't we write your memoirs? Because you've told me them so many times. Sit down. So we had this regular morning meeting once or twice a week. He'd arrive. I'd make him a coffee. I'd sit at my laptop and I'd say, right, off you go. And I typed and he talked. And he told me in particular the story of, of the Mamo uprising and how he fought them in the Aberdare um, mountains. And he told me the story of, that was the colonial account of what happened in East Africa. And after he told me all this and I typed it all up, I thought, hang on, this isn't the whole story. This is one story. History is made up of many stories. And so it became white lies, white lies, meaning both the lies he told himself because he had to tell a story. He had to tell the story that he needed to tell himself at the end of his life. But white lies too, because it was the story told by the white colonials. Anyway, I started writing a novel with another soldier who understood Africa. I don't know where he came from called Harry and the whole thing just started rolling and so yes my my father the soldier in the novel White Lies is my father hardly disguised he says the things my father says and said but the rest grew up around him and it became it became much deeper and denser and thicker and more complicated and I think that's what I'm talking about here when I say we drop our characters whether whether us or people we know, we drop them into the thick of a plot, which then starts to unravel and it takes on its own life. And so there was, I, I had my father married to a woman who had an affair, with the officer who understood Africa. My mother never had an affair, I don't think, uh, as far as I know. And so the rest of that novel is, is very much made up in fiction. So I planted my father inside. And that's how it that's how it turned out. It covers four decades. It covers a lot of countries as World War Two unfolds, and and then Kenya begins. So yeah, that was the first one. How about you? Your your first, does your first novel bear any resemblance to to that experience? The the very first novel I wrote was a, a sort of magical fantasy where two of the characters were definitely me, which is probably why it hasn't sold. It was the remnants of a kind of teenage novel. You know, this idea of everything but the kitchen sink. Well, I think I threw the sink at that one as well. I'd love to know what a psychotherapist would make of the book, partly just so that I could get them to read it. So the very first book, yeah, it, it was very unsubtly drawing on my own experience. But the Bladens, which were written sometime later, 
later, because I wasn't really aware of him being me, and in actual fact, that was a liberation. Of course, you know, like me, working class, has a, a bag of chips on each shoulder for balance. But his family life, very different to mine, firstly, in that his blood kind of alive. So that was interesting. It was explore. I suppose we explore parallels, don't we? You know, yeah. what if, you know, what if I'd been one of four children instead of uh, one of two? What if my mother had um, driven an articulated lorry instead of being a unicyclist? So I think in fiction, as you say, we can take probably the, the core personalities and then do something different with them. But I, I mean, I wonder if there's ever a sense for you that if you're directly drawing upon someone's experience I mean you said you wrote about your parents was there a teeny bit of you that felt a little bit disloyal when you wrote about the wife having an affair no not at all because it wasn't my mother it was the soldier's wife in the story and that story was quite separate no I didn't feel a bit disloyal it was not um and to make sure everything was okay I did give the book to my father before he died he died when he was 98 and he did read it and he said it's fine it's okay but I don't he said, I don't agree with that Harry bloke who was standing up and sticking up for those Mau tribes. He said, um, that's a load of rubbish. He said, my point of view was the right one. So he wow. was okay with the book. I put myself and my sister in there as well as small children, as very tiny, as very young children. Um, it didn't disguise us very much either. But I felt at about the ages of three and two or whatever we were, uh, that was okay. No, no guilt. What, why would Why would you feel guilt for doing something with a, a character that you put into a story when the story's made up? I, I mean, I suppose if we're honest here, from, from my perspective, I'm thinking about the, my most recent novel, the one that I'm still hacking at, which is a, I don't know what it is, a sort of comedy drama, lad lit. I'm not really sure what genre it fits into. But in there, I draw directly on personal experience and family dynamics. And none of the family are here to, they're not afforded that opportunity that you had with your dad where he could look at it and go yeah you know that's that's fair enough I don't agree with this I don't agree with that and I think for that novel which probably is intensely personal and it's a standalone and it's currently I don't know if it's under new management but it's certainly about to undergo some uh, hardcore maintenance which means the platforms will be closed for considerable time but in that instance the only perspective on it is mine and I wonder if you're drawing on personal experience inevitably as the writer if there are people you used to know friends partners family whatever without them having an opportunity even though you're fictionalizing you may be drawing upon real situations real loves real betrayals well in that case if they're recognizable and they re- they could recognize themselves you've not done your job you've not done your job properly Derek as a writer it's I think it's your job to disguise those people enough that they couldn't possibly see themselves on the page yeah I think that's a fair comment that's an interesting approach I mean as you know I got the editorial consultancy report on said novel and some of the feedback was essentially take out a lot of the direct minor personal experience and make it the character's book and not yours which was interesting because it is isn't it you look at it and go well of course it's not going to be a b c d e just because that was your experience or the experiences that you're drawing on but i think when we write about personal experience or we draw on personal experiences, I think there is an innate drive in us to either speak our truth or make sense of something, or exactly like you said, with characters that you know put in a different situation. It's almost, 
maybe not wish fulfillment, but the the alternative journey. I mean, J.K. Rowling apparently said when uh, various readers, because everyone's a critic, were saying that they thought that, and uh, spoiler alert, if no one has read the Harry Potter series, but they thought that Harry should have ended up with Hermione yes. and not Ron. She said um, that she made a mistake in the way that she wrote it and it was a kind of wish fulfillment now I don't quite know how that works out whether she saw herself as Hermione and there was someone called Ron that uh, you know she admired or he was a friend or I, I've no idea but you know as writers we're playing with reality and I think when we draw on personal experience there is a drive to do that it doesn't happen it's not an objective process and I think it, it, there's usually some sort of unconscious urge behind it and that may be why certainly in my case for version 28 or whatever it is for this book i've stuck to a narrative that bears a fair resemblance to actual history yes but won't by the time i'm finished something you said rings a bell with me i'm definitely using themes or emotions that mean a lot to me and they recur through my all kinds of writing so I think I said this in a previous podcast, the thing I'm writing about in different stories with different characters and different settings is what you said about belonging. The themes are to do with belonging, roots, place. Who are we in relation to where we live? Are we outsiders? Are we insiders? I think all my novels feature people who are outsiders. So yes, I'm taking that from myself and then I'm painting my characters with that personality traits. I'm making them making a lot of them outsiders and ha- and I'm I'm showing how they cope with being outside the mainstream, unaccepted marginal marginal people people are people on the edges so that's not about personality so much as a sort of driving force that's quite elemental and quite quite deep the fact that it keeps cropping up again and again I don't call it personal experience it's more something I live with and have lived with as an army brat who lived in 28 different places usually barracks and went to 17 schools I don't know what it's like to have roots and, and I wish I did know what it was like to belong and to have roots and to belong to a place. So I'm definitely using that. If you don't feel strongly about something, Derek, I don't see how you can write about it in a way that's going to hook readers. So there has to be some kind of burning issue underneath. Does that make sense? I think you're right. I suppose the characters that we write that are drawn from personal experience whether it's people around us or ourselves or projection are there and the situations are there because they mean something to us because if they didn't we wouldn't bother which is probably why in my last book I was quite wedded to particular plot ideas plot lines and arcs and it might be that that book just ends up in a drawer somewhere I just think right that was my book now let's sort of take that and dissect it and make something else out of it. And the other thing you can do, and the, the other thing I'm aware I do, is bury my characters very firmly in, in a landscape. So they have their own place to be. See, it's, just, it's the same theme cr- cropping up again. 
So in White Lies, Nairobi and the Aberdare Mountains and the dripping wet leaves of the forest, they contain my, my characters. In Run, Alice, Run, there are two university campuses, both of which are, I was at. There was Birmingham University and then Ed, Edinburgh University. Uh, particularly Birmingham University is the context into which I, I place my, my people, the people who are going to run with the plot. And then in the Red Beach Hut, it's all about the sea and boats. That's where I'm most at home. I crossed the Atlantic in, in a sailing boat. So wow. I've I know about, I do know about the sea and the wind and the currents and the waves and, and swimming in an ocean that's four miles deep. So that's the other way to do it is, is to place your characters in a context, the landscape very vivid for you. And in the Red Beach Hut, I don't know the characters. I don't know much about them. They don't, they don't have much to do with me at all, except that they're both outsiders. But the landscape's very strong. The landscape in which I place them means a lot to me. I find that interesting because in, in the Thomas Bladen novels, he comes from Yorkshire, uh, so he told me. His parents, his father was a coal miner. And because of his age, that put him as a child growing up during the um, 84 miners' strike. Yes. So that gave me a context for his upbringing and how that would inform his sort of psychology, really, and his father's particularly. And when he starts working for the government, how his father responds to that by talking about uh, Thatcher as the daughter of the Antichrist. And in a way, going back to what you were saying about landscape, Thomas is most at home out on the North Yorkshire Moors. Yes. I suppose. I mean, I think I made a reference to Moran his sort of on-off on partner saying that he represented a very own Heathcliff you know there was something there's something a bit wild certainly something a bit rough about him but also and I suppose that is me because he works in East London which is where I grew up and where I worked as well there is a there's a certain enchantment about London but you know it's mythologised I think like all, all places but the challenge for me really was trying to write meaningfully about Yorkshire probably in what's the word I'm looking for just occasional descriptive flourishes when I hadn't been there. I mean, I actually did quite a lot of research for Yorkshire. And interestingly, and I only realised this sometime afterwards, uh, Thomas's parents are, are called James and Helen. If you've read uh, James Herriot's books, yes. of which I was a massive fan growing up, then, you know, it's James and Helen. So yes. even unconsciously, you're borrowing from the associations around you. And um, Miranda's family are sort of EastEnders made good and they've moved out to Dagenham and they are drawn from people that I've, I'd encountered. But the crime mystery that came up last year, year before I lose track, Long Shadows is set in Wiltshire, which I don't know very well. And that actually took me a long while to settle into that landscape to get a sense of, I mean, I know any, any rural environment has farming, but it took me a while, again, research really for my own to feel comfortable in my head wandering about Wiltshire. Yes. Uh, and the only reason, the reason I set it in Wiltshire was because I didn't know it, that there was a, an appeal in writing about some way that I don't have a connection with. So what we've been saying is that there are a lot of strategies that writers use 
to take people that perhaps they once knew and turn them into characters who have their own integrity and who fit into the story and the plot that we or they create. There is no one way of doing it. So you can split yourself into, into multiple persona. You, you can dump them in a landscape that's very vivid. You, you can do some research. You can use feelings that mean a lot to you, like, like my feeling of, of my sense of belonging or not belonging. So there are all these different strategies and ways. It's like you must wrap them around and around and around until they're no longer obviously visibly you or related to you and then they can go on their way and thinking about the submissions that come to me into linen press where authors are really falling down they are writing terribly thinly disguised accounts of their lives and giving them to me as novels but they're not novels they're I'm looking through a piece of glass that's barely opaque at a rerun of what happened to them and you can't do that you've got to let your characters before or it becomes a character, go through several transformations. You know, that's why I say about wrapping them up and wrapping them up or whatever you do and the writers that don't succeed are not doing that then they're not going through enough transformations and they're not pushing their characters far enough away from themselves so that they exist in their own right separate and with their own emotional integrity and integrity within the plot and, and story I'm turning down so many writers who are not doing that transition strongly enough and because I don't want to read somebody's life story unless it's exceptional exceptionally eventful interesting fantastically written most of them aren't so that's a hard lesson isn't it that's really hard to say sorry you're still writing your own life this is your life these novels that you're getting that are written like that are most of them first novels, would you say? Quite a lot of them are, yes. And that's where you go first. That's the natural place to yes, go. Yes, yeah. And uh, perhaps that novel ends up in the draw and you, you then write the next one and you make the transition stronger, firmer, deeper. For an inexperienced writer, that's a tough call, but that's what they've got to do. They've got to do this They've got to do that transforming so that the book exists separate from their own life and it has its own momentum, its own setting, its own characters. It, it exists all by itself. It, and not many first-time writers or even some experienced writers have the skill to do that. A lot of it's intuitive. I think a lot of your writing and my writing, we would say, is intuitive. We don't carefully plan it out, but it's still a skill. You've still got to be able to to do it i think it's part of that developmental process of being a writer which is another you know when i started off it was all about i, w I want to finish a book and then i want to get the book published and there was no comprehension of the the journey that's necessary between the, those two posts along the way and as you say it, the process is as important as the destination not just because we get better books but because being a novelist changes you it bloody well ought to change you I mean, you, you spend a lot of time often in isolation, often in worlds in your head and mining your own experience and emotions and themes. It's sort of inevitable that if you dig deeply enough, you A, might find treasure and B, might strike a water main. But that process of refining your work, I think, has a profound effect on us as, as individuals. Yes, I agree completely. The journey is both it's both difficult and tough, but it's also rewarding, it's revealing. 
thinking and it's hard it's hard work as you say we we live inside our creative worlds often to the exclusion of everything that's going on around and hours pass like minutes sometimes sometimes not if you're not doing that then you're not doing your job I don't think you have to go deep it's like dropping down a well and it's only once you've dropped down there that you craft that novel in a way that makes it really accessible and interesting and whatever you want it to be exciting in your case perhaps but it's not an easy journey no but I I don't think people are prepared for that I mean maybe this is a a long talk for another time the pros and cons of uh, the writing process but yeah it's one of those things that's not talked about when people are fixated on online reviews and sales and writing the blurb and all the rest of it there's this other subtle kind of a developmental psychological emotional side that really doesn't get much airplay I think we should talk about that another time it isn't it isn't a quick ride it isn't a superficial as you say knock it off quickly kind of thing oh it's quite momentous sometimes yeah we should I think we should explore the the process and what it does to us and to others that we know and how we begin go through it and emerge at the other end and often the depression that then comes because you have to exit the world that that you've created and then where do you go yeah that's true you say goodbye to these bits of yourself or others that you've kind of polished up and, and unearthed and given daylight to yes well look, it seems that we've come to uh logic's not my strong point but we've come to a logical conclusion for this episode thank you for listening whoever you are and i was going to say let us know what you think but i'm not even sure at this point how someone would do that and we'll see you or well we won't see you but we'll um tune in another time thanks for listening thanks bye now bye